Psalm 23 from the scriptures. Follow along, excuse me, as I read aloud. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. We've been on a journey this summer for some of you that have been gone for for a season and I wasn't sure if we were going to jump back into Acts today or not, but I thought we, we probably should take a look at one more psalm together as we get ourselves prepared for a new season. Now, I know January 1st is the beginning of our calendar year. Many of us make resolutions, but for those of us who have kids or we just get used to being in that season where summer is kind of the in-between time and really our, our years as we think about the seasons go from the beginning of the school year to the end of the school year from around this time until late May or early June. <clears throat> Excuse me. I was thinking about what, what could be maybe a theme for us as we consider this just in our hearts today as we move forward into a new year. Some of you are, have moved into this area very recently, just met a family this morning, moved from across the world, and some of you are getting ready to move away. Some of you are getting ready to start a new job or start a new season in life or, or maybe go off to school soon. I think we would like to know that we're not by ourselves in this journey, right? So we're going to take a look at Psalm 23 today. These soul songs, these songs that are sung from the heart as prayers back to God. And we see here's another Psalm of David. Now this Psalm, I know for many of you, if you've been in the church for a while or if you've been to a funeral, you've probably heard this before, right? Psalm 23 is one of the most famous passages to read, especially at memorial services and at funerals. Why? Well, because it it speaks of peace and rest, right? It's this happy vision, this peaceful scene, this idyllic, picturesque type of of scenery where you just see these this beautiful valley green pastures and this beautiful trickling of water you could hear it babbling down the uh the cliff right you just hear it right this beautiful picturesque scene it's like a soothing balm on a heavy grieving heart and that's why it's such a such a famous passage to be read when we we grieve the loss of our loved ones right It helps us envision many dear loved ones like sheep resting at the feet of the shepherd in paradise. However, as we look at this, though, we we see this isn't a psalm of David at the end of his journey. It's a soul song for the journey. For the journey. Not just to be celebrated at the end, but it's the fuel of the heart to give hope and peace and rest for the journey. We've seen David's paths, if you've been with us, in in a lot of these soul songs. He's sung out from a cave. He's poured out his complaint to God. Last week he said, in a dry and weary land, I'm on the run, but my soul is thirsty for you in the desert. Boy, these soul songs have been food to my soul. I hope they've been to yours too. We've seen David's path in these soul songs, but through it all, David was confident. 
He could trust the Lord, not himself. Now, David's described the Lord as his rock, as his fortress, as his deliverer, as his shelter, really these kind of inanimate objects as metaphors for what God's presence means to David. But he chooses a different metaphor today. He uses a personal term, an intimate term. You see, David, as he's thinking about the Lord, he says, oh Lord, you are my shepherd. You're my shepherd. You're the one who leads me. You're the one who walks with me. I want you to consider this past year for your own journey, just for a moment. Now, let's get in a time machine together and let's look back on the last school year that we've gone through, right? So just imagine this time last year, late August, what has gone on over the past year? Think about all that's happened since. If you need to close your eyes, that's fine. Nobody's staring at you. Well, I am, but nobody else is, I promise. Think about that for a moment. What changes took place? kinds of trials did you encounter? What challenges sprung up? Did you have any victories? Maybe a promotion? Maybe you had some defeats and some setbacks. Now, if you were to be sitting now and talking to yourself a year ago and you were to describe, hey, this is how the year is going to go, would your former self even believe it? And, and I want to know, would they even get out of the house, right? I'm not leaving the house. This year is going to be tough. Consider the upcoming year now for a moment. Think about your plans. Think about what you hope to accomplish. Your dreams and your goals, knowing that that what you now know about the past year, what do you think about the upcoming year and what it holds for you? Today we're going to be focusing on this theme of trust. Trust. That's what this, this psalm, this soul song is really reflecting. It's David's trust in the Lord for the journey. What does it mean to trust in the Lord? Maybe another way to put it is, how do I know if I'm really trusting in him? Am I just giving him lip service? Do I truly trust him from the heart? What I want you to do right now, and I'm giving you permission, right? You can pull out your phones. I know many of you are looking at scripture on your phones as we follow along, and maybe you take notes on your phones. But if you don't, you can take it out now. Or if you have a scrap of paper, that works well. just, Just think about this for a moment. You could do this later if you want, but right now, maybe just jot down a few goals and hopes that you have for the coming season. Think about that. What goals and hopes do you have for the coming season? It could be work-related, school-related, relationship-related, financially. What are some of those goals and hopes that you have? Now, if you've got maybe just a handful of them, narrow them down to one, one goal that you have, maybe one that's most precious to you. Now imagine for this upcoming year if that's just taken away from you, the death of a dream, the death of a goal, the death of a hope, trial, tribulation. What if the Lord decided, I see your plans on your little phone and on your tablet or in your notebook right now, but I've got a different path for you. Would you trust him in that? I have a good friend, pastor friend in in Oregon. He says, you don't really know if you're trusting until you're ready to take an exit that you didn't anticipate the Lord taking, right? You're following along in a caravan and you're thinking, okay, we're going this direction. All of a sudden, wait a minute, the person in front of me is getting off in an exit. I had no idea we were taking. That's when you know that you're really following. That's when your trust is put to the test. What if the Lord takes you in a totally different path? 
Now, Psalm 23, it's, it's beautiful because it points to God's goodness, to his character. I was praying with some of our elders yesterday and Matt Rumba. I love, I love what our brother Matt said. He goes, you know, in those times, you, you focus on the character of God. You remember who he is, and that instills trust in us. And that's what David's doing. Psalm 23 is beautiful because it points to God's goodness, but it's also stretching and challenging because it acknowledges right out of the gate that the Lord is my shepherd. He leads and I'm called to follow him. He provides and I'm trusting in him. He protects even when the road is dangerous and nothing like it is how I would envision it, but I'm called to trust in him. Why? Why can I trust this shepherd? David is amazing here. He doesn't say, we can trust our shepherd. David says, I can trust my shepherd. He is our shepherd as a group, but he's, he's called to be your shepherd and my shepherd in the journey Here's our big idea today. Why can we trust the shepherd on our journey? You can trust the shepherd because the shepherd walks with you. You can trust your shepherd because your shepherd walks with you. You you can trust him not because he'll give you everything you want, not because the road will be convenient, not because you'll get all the attention and all the glory and all the fame. No, you can trust him because he knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly where you need to go. And no matter the journey, friend, your shepherd walks with you. So personal. David calls the Lord my shepherd. He's our shepherd, but he's more than that. He's my shepherd. He's your shepherd. He guides me. He guides you. And because of that, he guides us. He knows your name, friend. He knows your thoughts. He knows your feelings. He knows your steps, your hurts, and your griefs. This God is incredibly personal. And you can trust the shepherd because the shepherd walks with you. We'll see this in three ways from Psalm 23. First of all, we'll see the shepherd's provision. The shepherd's provision. Secondly, we'll see the shepherd's protection. And thirdly, we'll see the shepherd's presence. Let's dive right in for sake of time here. Number one, the shepherd's provision. He says this, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I'm not gonna lack anything. God's not gonna deprive me of what I need. All that I have to need to be sustained, the Lord will provide. Now you gotta notice here, David's not saying, the Lord is my shepherd, therefore I shall get all I want. No, I shall not have want, meaning I shall not have need. I won't be deprived. The shepherd won't deprive me of what I need. Friend, you can always trust because the shepherd is walking with you. Even when you feel pain, even when you feel grief, even when you feel lack, you could trust. But I know my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. You shall not want. Well, what does that look like? Well, first of all, it says he makes me lie down in green pastures, feeding on what you need. He gives you the nourishment that you need. But, I, but look at what it says. He, shall, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Some of us hate this thought. We cringe at this thought. Lie down? Lie down? Who's got time to lie down? Doesn't God know that I'm on the move? Doesn't he know that I'm wheeling and dealing? I got things planned. I got plans. Here we go. Come on. Lord, don't you see my to-do list? I've got to get through it. I don't have time to lie down. But he says, I know what you need. Whether you finish everything on this checklist or none of it, just toss it in the garbage. I know exactly what you need. Sometimes, friend, he takes us from the busyness of life and he says, I'm going to make you lie down in green pastures. I I went through this last September. 
I mean, it was my first full calendar year as, as the pastor here at your church and our church and, and getting to be a part of this church family. I was just like, all right, Lord, I'm so excited. Let's get this year kicked off right. And the Lord says, Matthew, I'm gonna cause you to lie down in some green pastures for a while. And I got COVID. And I was laid low for, gosh, 10, 10 days, two weeks. And I felt it. And it was one of those helpless moments where I realized, Lord, don't you, you pulled me all the way out here and my family from California now in a kickoff season and now you're asking me to lay low in green pastures? Yep. Sometimes he lays us low because he wants us to feed and remember that he is what we need, not we is what we need. He is what we need. Lord just says to us sometimes, lie down right here and get rest. Feed on my, my words Remember, Jesus is there in the wilderness and Satan is coming to tempt him and he says, hey, if you're the son of God, you could turn these rocks into bread. And what has Jesus said? Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Sometimes what we need is just to hear and see and remember the voice of God that gives us truth when we feel like we're starving. And he lays us low and he says, I've got bread that you know nothing about and I'm gonna feed it to you right now. He makes us lie down in green pastures. Not only that, he leads, he leads me beside still waters. The still waters, it's this resting place. It's the kind of idea where, you know, pioneers are moving west in the old United States of America. They're, they're moving to the, the wild west and they see here, oh, finally, there's this beautiful scene right next to this, this creek or this river where we've got an endless supply of water. Let's put our dwelling place there. That's what David is saying. You lead me to these still waters to these places where I can always find refreshment and rest and nourishment. You give me exactly what I need. Last week we saw in Psalm 63, David himself said, my soul thirsts for you in the wilderness. And Jesus goes on later in John chapter four, he's with this woman by the well and he says, I can give you water that will spring up into your heart that will give you life from the inside out. What was the life that he was talking about? He was talking about the Holy Spirit. Friend, I think we get a, an inkling, just a, a little hint here that the living water that God wants to give us isn't just quenching our thirst in our throats, but quenches our thirst of our soul. And he's given that to us in the Holy Spirit. You know, our team this morning, as we were getting ready, the team that serves here, set up and tear down, worship team, kids team, guest experience, that's what we prayed for today. Lord, we want to see your spirit at work in us today. We want to find a resting place by living waters, besides still waters that refresh our souls. Again, God gives us exactly what we need, even if we don't always think we have what we want. Green pastures, still waters. He goes on to say, David says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness. This idea of restoring my soul, it's, it's turning it back onto the right path. If you've ever been on a walk or a hike and you've gone through there for a while, pray for our brother Casey. I don't know. I hope he's coming back here soon. He's been hiking the entire Appalachian Trail. I'm sure he's going to have some stories when he gets back. But you go on this walk, you go on this trail, and all of a sudden you come to this dead end and you realize, I took the wrong way. What do you got to do? You got to go back to that fork in the road, in the path, and you got to get back on the right path. And David says, even when I go down the wrong path, you restore my soul. You turn me back to the path. What path is that? Is that the path of convenience? Is it the path of comfort? Is it the path of our glory? No, he says, I, Lord, you take me back and you restore my soul to paths of righteousness. You restore me back to the right path even when I stray. 
you get me going in the right direction. And David says, ultimately, I may not feel like I always have exactly what I want, but I know that you're giving me what I need. And when you give that to me, it's not for my namesake, it's for your namesake. You lead me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is where the rubber meets the road in God's provision, friends, the shepherd. We got green pastures, I like that. Still waters, awesome, good paths, cool, I like that. But for my glory, right, Lord? That I'm gonna get to have all the, all the accolades and all the fame He says, no, I'm doing this for my name's sake. Wait, what? I know what's best for me, Lord. I know where I need to go. I know the degrees that I need to have. I know the promotions that I deserve. I know the income that I should be making. I know the classes that I should be able to get. Lord, I know the path that's best for me. And he says, no, I'm gonna lead you on the right path for my name's sake. The Lord provides for us. He feeds us. He waters us. He restores us for his namesake. That's what we need more than anything. Our lives are meant for him, for him. That's where we find what we need. This is the path to maximum joy, to maximum satisfaction, to maximum fulfillment. It's not to us, not to us, O Lord, be the glory, but to your name, O Lord, be the glory. And he leads us, he feeds us, he waters us, he restores us on right paths for our maximum joy, and that's to give him glory for his namesake, for his fame, for his purpose in our lives. The shepherd gives us his provision. All that we need, all the time, even when we don't feel like it, he knows exactly what we need. And because he walks with us in his provision, we can trust in him. Secondly, we see the shepherd's protection, verses four, excuse me, verses four and five, the shepherd's protection. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, wait a minute here, hold on a second, Lord. Wait, What? This path of righteousness could take me through the valley of the shadow of death. That's right. The right path may lead you right through the valley as dark as death. These words have this connotation of deep gloom, this dark shadow cast by death. You're there and you could see the sun on the, on, the, on the cliffs of the hillsides poking through the trees, but you're way down in this deep ravine. The wilderness of, of Palestine, it's got these ravines we talked about a little bit last week where you could be way down in this crack and you could almost see no sunlight. And it's so dark. You don't know what's coming around the corner. But he says, even though I walk through the valley of deep gloom, of dark shadows cast by death, I'll fear no evil. I love what Charles Spurgeon says about this. He says, for the sheep who's led by the shepherd, that's the best best that death can do for the sheep. It's just cast a shadow. That's what David says. I'm walking through this dark valley of the shadow of death. I'm not walking through the valley of death, but through the valley that you've prepared for me. And all death can do is cast its shadow on on my life and on my path. Friend, that's all death can do for the sheep. That's all death can do for the one whom the shepherd loves. The shepherd is saying, I'm not taking you to this valley. I'm taking you through this valley. And even though death is out there, these wolves are scary, all they can do is cast their shadow on you. You don't have to fear. I am with you. This is amazing and it's glorious. Saint, friend, Christian, the worst death can do to you is just cast its shadow. You don't have to fear the shadow because the reality cannot 
touch your soul because the good shepherd has laid down his life for you so that you can have eternal life. This past week, uh, Pastor Tim Keller of Redeemer Church in, uh, in, in New York City, I, I got to see a portion of his, uh, of his memorial service. I, inc- I encourage you to watch it if you haven't on YouTube. Uh, we just had his memorial service last week, and, and knowing his days were short, he designed a service ahead of time, right, before he passed. And, and the way he designed it, it wasn't about weeping over himself or being full of grief, but he designed it for, for his, his, his fellow brothers and sisters, for his church to sing songs of hope and songs of glory and songs of peace, almost in a sense to say, all death can do is cast its shadow, but I want you to look to the shepherd who could guide you through the valley of the shadow of death. It was almost as if, even though Tim Keller was no longer there bodily, he wasn't gone. Death had only cast his shadow over him, but he had not been defeated by it. Why? Because he had hope and trust in the good shepherd. He had hope and trust in the shepherd, even though we have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so David says, that's all it can do. It can just cast its shadow on me. So what will I do? I will fear no evil. For you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod of the shepherd keeps all the enemies away from devouring you and devouring me and his staff brings us back onto the right paths again. Friend, in the darkest places, you don't have to fear evil. No matter what comes across your path this coming year, you do not have to fear evil. The worst it could do is cast its shadow over you. The shepherd is with you. His rod will protect you. His staff will comfort you and it will guide you and it will get you back on the right path. He will protect you against the worst of enemies. Not only that, it gets even better. David transitions from this metaphor of a shepherd and he says, now I'm going to talk about my shepherd as a host, the one who brings me into his house and prepares a table before me. But he doesn't just prepare a table before me, he prepares a table before me where? In the presence of my enemies. This is a victory feast. The defeated enemies, they look on, they're present, but they can't win. They've been defeated. They can't touch David any longer. And David is celebrating with his shepherd right there in the shepherd's house and the enemies are looking on but they can't do anything to David. He's there feasting in victory before his enemies. The shepherd now has become the host of a great banquet and he allows David to see that all his enemies have been defeated. Caroline read this for us earlier today. Romans chapter eight, verses 35 to 37. The apostle Paul, he's speaking to sheep, just like you and me, people of the church of Rome. And they're starting to feel pressures of persecution from all around. But, but Paul says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who, who can take us out of that victory feast? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. Friends, that sounds like a dangerous journey to me, right? And he says, you may have to go through that valley, but as it is written, for your sake we're being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. But he says this, no, in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Friend, we sit and we feast at the shepherd's table in the presence of our enemies. There's nothing that can defeat you in the name of Jesus Christ. There is no hurt. There is no grief. 
There is no enemy. There is no pain. There is no rival. There is no famine. There is no layoff. There is no disappointment. There is no hurt. There is no divorce. There is no cancer. There is nothing in this world that can defeat you because the shepherd walks with you and he protects you through all of it. He protects you through all of it. I'm no prophet. I I don't know what this year holds for you and for me. It could be a valley that feels like some deep, dark shadows cast over you and me. But one thing for certain, nothing can take the victory away from you and from me because the shepherd walks with us and he protects us and he gives us a hope that can never be taken away. Well, this host, this host shepherd then, as David is sitting there feasting in the presence of his enemies, it gets even better. He says, you anoint my head with oil. That's, that's, the, that's the treatment of an honored guest. And he says, my cup overflows. My cup is brimming over. I've got the festive oil. I've got a brimming cup. This feast is lavish. And the Lord has invited me, his sheep, to eat and enjoy at his table. Friends, I want to let you know... I, I don't know what this year holds, but I know what the end is for those who belong to the shepherd, those who belong to Jesus Christ. Friend, the final score at the end of the game is going to be this, a blowout. It's going to be a blowout. It is going to be an absolute blowout in the championship game. The shepherd's path is the path to victory. Is it hard? Is it, is it, is it, does, it, does death cast its shadow? Absolutely. But guess what? It's the path to victory. It's going to be a blowout. Why? Because the shepherd walks with you. The shepherd walks with you. Trust the shepherd. Fly the confetti. Strike up the band. Throw the parade. We of all people, no matter what trial, what tribulation we go through, we could gather here each and every single Sunday. We could gather in our small groups and we could weep and cry over the pain we feel today. But behind the pain and behind the tears, we could say, it's going to be a blowout though. It's going to be a blowout because Jesus, my good shepherd, he has won the victory for me. So even through my tears over a loss of a loved one or the death of a dream, I could say, my shepherd walks with me and he gives me the victory. This is the shepherd's desire for you and for me. It's glorious, but it's for his namesake. It's according to his plans. And it may take us through the darkest, the shadowiest valley. But the path is the path to victory. This isn't whether it's the right path. The question is, will you trust the shepherd on the path that he leads you? How do I know that I'm going to get there? When the path is hard and dark and maybe you're there today, how do I know I'm going to get there safely? Thirdly, we see in verse 6, the shepherd always promises his presence. He always promises his presence And he promises that I'm taking you to a destination where you will always be with me. Verse six, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. His house, his honor, his praise, his safety, his protection, his glory. I get to be there. For the length of my days, I will always be there. Jesus, right as he was about to be betrayed and he was telling his friends, his disciples, I'm about to go away from you. I'm going to die. I'm going to be betrayed. And you could see it right there in John 14. The hearts of his friends, the disciples, they were feeling very troubled by this. Lord Jesus, this sounds like a dark, shadowy valley to us. I don't know that we want to walk through it. But listen to what Jesus says in John 14, 1 through 3. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. 
If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. David says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the promise for everyone who trusts the good shepherd. He's got a destination for you. He's got a destination for you. Housing is so hard to come by in this region. Amen? It's so hard. It's so competitive. It's so expensive. And I I feel down about it sometimes. Lord, if you want us to have a people here that are witnessing to the goodness of Jesus, you got to make it possible to have a roof over our heads, right? And some days I get really discouraged by it. But I remember, we have hope. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Years ago, our kids, we were going through a season where over like three years, we had two different landlords that told us we had to move out because they were going to sell the house that we were living in. And Laura and I, our kids were young. We, we kind of had the decision to make. Do we keep this from them because it could really bring, you know, some stress and trouble to their hearts or do we share it with them? And we made the choice. We're going to share it with them, but we're going to be prepared to pray with them. And, and I remember looking on their faces. I may have shared this story with you before, but I remember the look on their faces and they said, Mom, Dad, well, what are we going to do? And we said, we don't know. <laughs> are we going to be homeless? I don't think so. I think the Lord's going to provide for us. Well, then where are we going to live? I don't know. And you could see the trouble on their faces for a moment because they realized then, dad is not ultimately my shepherd. Mom is not ultimately my shepherd. They're temporary shepherds. They're not not my great shepherd. Who do I turn to? Where am I going to find a dwelling place? Friends, the Lord showed our family, and he wants to show you too, that you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He is always a refuge. He is always a strength to those who put their trust in him. And the Lord provided us with temporal shelter. But guess what? We're still walking on that final journey, that destination that says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Friend, don't be discouraged today. The Lord is your dwelling place. The Lord is your house. You're on a journey to dwell with him forever. How do I know this though? Is this shepherd trustworthy? Do I really know I'm gonna get there? I I love this. Psalm 23, six. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Goodness and mercy. This is his covenant love, his loving kindness. It will follow. It'll pursue after me all the days of my life. Friend, I want you to know this right now. You think about God pursuing after you. Sometimes you, sometimes you feel afraid, right? Uh, I remember singing the little song in, 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 in Sunday school. It was very little or something like that. Be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little hands. Which, there's a father up above and he's looking down and I always felt like he's looking down in judgment. I'm afraid of this God. If he sees all the bad thoughts that I have and all the things I do with my hands and and all the things I do with my eyes and my mind and my, my feet, boy, that's terrifying, right? Is God behind me chasing me down to judge me? But the song goes, he's looking down in love. He's looking down in love. His loving kindness and his mercy are pursuing after you and after me all the days of your life. Not his law, not not his judgment and rules, and obligations. He's not coming upon you and saying, I gotta add more pressure and stress to your life. No, what's pursuing, what's chasing after you and after me, if we truly are sheep, if we've truly put our faith in the shepherd, I don't have to worry that his judgment is chasing after me any longer, but it's his goodness, and his loving kindness, and his mercy that is following me. His goodness and his mercy. The shepherd is pursuing you, even through your hardest journeys. He's walking with you. 
His presence doesn't bring judgment to, to his sheep. He delivers his friendship, his kindness, his pleasantness. He pursues you with his loyal kindness and love. He takes on the obligation of pursuing you even when you are not pursuing him. He's gracious and gentle and he offers you and me his unfailing love for the journey. He gives you his presence. This is the grace and, and the mercy of God. And if God's favor and love and provision and protection is and present is something that I earn or merit on my own, then, then I know that I, I, I'm not gonna make it. If I, if I have to say, okay, am I worthy of being pursued in this journey, shepherd, then I'm never gonna make it. But he says, no, I will pursue you because I'm a gracious God. Even at my worst, I can trust that he pursues me with his overwhelming grace and kindness. Here's what it comes down to. You may be at your journey today, and if you want to think back on your, on your notes that you took earlier, think about those dreams and hopes that you have. You may be thinking to yourself, if he takes this one away, I don't know if I can trust him. I just don't know if I can trust him. Listen to what this good shepherd says later on, and I believe that Jesus is referring right back to Psalm 23. This is what Jesus says to his friends. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd takes the life of his sheep. No, 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 no. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd, say it with me, lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, he who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But listen to the voice of your good shepherd on your journey. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Friend, you can trust the shepherd because the shepherd walks with you. He walks with you. I hope you feel encouragement today to know no matter what you may face, whatever you have faced in this last year, whatever you may face in the year to come, you can trust the shepherd because the shepherd walks with you. He gives you his provision, he gives you his protection, and ultimately, he gives you his presence that says, my friend, I love you. Sheep, I will lay down, and I have laid down my life for you. What does this mean for Monday? It's a question we like to ask around here because we don't wanna just hear a good scripture passage and then think to ourselves, that's nice, it inspired me for a few hours, and then I went home and I went back all to my anxiety and my worry once again. No, no, no. We want to think about how am I going to live this out tomorrow and the season to come? It's simple. It's this confession. In every step, Lord, I'm going to trust you. In every step, dear shepherd, I will trust in you. Going back to the notes that you took earlier, the hopes and dreams that you have for the coming season, if that most precious dream and goal is taken away, will you trust the good shepherd who's laid down his life for you? That promotion, that raise, that degree completion, that engagement, that person, that trip, that next thing, whatever it may be, it may come, but it may go. It may deliver, but it may not. One thing is certain, though, friends. Dear sheep, precious sheep, of whom I am also a sheep, the shepherd will walk with you. Every step. Every twist, every turn, 
He laid down his life for you when he went to that cross. He said, the, the, the valley of the shadow of death may cast its shadow on you, but I'm gonna go up to a cross and I'm gonna take on that death. And if you trust in me, all that death can do is cast its shadow on you. But I took the full brunt of it. I took all the punishment, all the payment for your sins, what you deserve. I've taken that upon myself. I've laid down my life for you. And so sheep, you can trust me, Jesus says. And if he did that, how could he not also with that graciously give everything that you need?